I'm Philippa Tolley, and this insight travels to Fiji after the recent devastating tropical storms. Two months ago, Cyclone Winston slammed into Fiji. The Category 5 cyclone with winds of up to 325 kilometres an hour was the strongest on record to directly hit the island group. It killed 44 people, flattened thousands of homes and devastated crops, affecting nearly 40% of the population in some way. So how is Fiji going to rebuild and what further help does it need? There's a rush on in this small settlement on the outskirts of Lautoka in Fiji's west. Another cyclone is coming and people are getting ready, patching up leaks, shifting bits and pieces and preparing to evacuate. It's a worry and uh, I have decided that we are going to look for shelter now. We are not going to take any chances now, getting prepared now to move before anything worse happens. Fiji and its people are trying to move into recovery mode after Cyclone Winston, and more rain and flooding are the last things they need. I'm Sally Round, and I'm in Fiji two months after Winston to see how the country is faring and the prospects for rebuilding after the storm. Uh, this is your house? Can I come in? What happened? The roof blown away. We collect it again and then we fix it. Did it leak much last night? Yeah, so we just put basins and uh, buckets so that it can, so the water can go inside. As soon as we get money and then we fix it. We have another room that is not yet been fixed at the back, so. Can you show me? Okay, of course. Here it is. Wow, there's no roof at all here, oh, is there? It's completely open. So what was this room before? It was our kitchen and our bathroom. 15-year-old Neroni Ranganivatu lives near the northern Viti Levu town of Rakiraki, which took a direct hit from Cyclone Winston. The power is still out seven weeks after the cyclone, and it's dripping and damp here from the torrential rain overnight. The rain from two tropical depressions has been pouring down for three days now. Several major rivers have burst their banks, and again whole villages have had to evacuate. The sugarcane and vegetable fields are flooded, and farmers like Mosese Misambule are worried. It's uh, really damaged now from the cyclone, and now it's a flood damage. Cassava and the bananas, they need some help from the government, and from outside government that we can help our farmers. We've been damaged here around in Fiji. The deluge has washed away new vegetable seedlings distributed after Winston, and many farmers are back to square one. The rain means more stress for Elisipefi Biao and her family, who were squeezed for living space after half of their roof blew off in Winston. Stress because we just living in one small house at the back, all of us living there, all of the family, the 11 of us in that small house. Very hard when the rain comes, the house got all wet and we have no place to sleep. I feel very exhausted. Elisabethi Biao's father is trying to prepare a new roof, but finding the money is a problem. In the middle of Fiji's sugarcane belt, the Tavua Club is filling up with local sugarcane growers. 
200,000 people in Fiji depend on the industry for their livelihoods, nearly a quarter of the population. Chandrika Prasad says he believes up to 70% of the cane growers in the area are so fed up they're going to walk away from the industry. First it was dry weather, two years, nothing. And then hurricane, and then this one, rain. If you go to farmer's house, they got no roof. Everybody's suffering. Like many farmers, Surendra Sahai is relying on help from overseas family to see him through. He thinks his crop tonnage will be down by about three quarters this year. I am predicting at least I'll go 120 or 130 tons, I might. Whereas I could have got uh, 400 uh, plus, I'll say. So how much will your income drop this year? Well, definitely I'll say that a big, huge amount, I'll say. 50,000, I'll say. And seven weeks after Cyclone Winston hit, farmers are growing impatient for assistance. Those who got lost their house, completely lost house, no tent provided. Government is staying. We're providing tents and uh, chaplains, but they uh, never get any help. They got food ration only. A lot of suffering on that line. Government is trying their best. They're getting their donation, they're, but not coming to every uh, people on the line. The rain clears and the latest storm, Cyclone Zena, veers away. The floods have subsided and people are out picking up where they left off. In the West's biggest town, La Toka, there's a long queue outside the local office of Fiji's pension agency, the Fiji National Provident Fund, or FNPF. After Winston, fund members across Fiji have been allowed to apply for emergency cash from their savings. Up the road, business is brisk at Subrail's furniture shop. Its operator, Ravikesh Reddy, says the FNPF money is helping keep it afloat. But he says the outlook is grim, and he's forecasting a huge loss for the firm this year. Beds and mattresses are a big seller for us at the time being, because that's what they need. That's, uh, I think, uh, is a necessity at the moment for all the individuals. And what about long term? How bad has this cyclone been in terms of business for you? Uh, I would say that uh, none of the cyclones which came in the past were good for business since we are getting back, I think, five or six years back with business as well. We are mostly losing our customers, our HP, higher purchase customers, cash sale customers. Other main problem is that we are not operating to the maximum since our staffs are also affected by the cyclone. We need more time to recuperate. How long and is it going to take? It might take us six more months, so that will be by next year, to get back to normal and normalize our businesses and other stuff as well. We had to buy a new sofa set, a new bedroom set, not one, but like one, two, three, four, four of it. And then we're still looking for a tiny table. Sanjana Devi and her husband have just got their FNPF cash and they're out shopping for new furniture after major water damage to their home. She's a finance officer with one of the big chain stores. The damage has set her back thousands. So more than like six, seven grand. How can you afford that? 
part came from our savings account and some like we had to take a loan from the bank plus the aid that was given by the FNPF that we could take out funds from our account. Most of the households, they don't have insurance here. But you're using up all your savings. What yeah. does this mean for your future? Exactly, that what we're like, you know, thinking at the moment because we're taking it out from a savings account, right? Which we had plans for. There so you're so. starting all over again? Yes, that you could say, like, we have to, like, start all over again, you know? But you're still smiling. Exactly. I mean, that what they say, you know? If there's hard times and you smile throughout it, you know, go through it. Rather than sitting back and you know thinking about it, what we do is like we'll get you mentally sick, unfortunately. My name is Kilera Mbatimbasanga. I've been going out uh, doing psychological first aid around Vitilevu and also in the outer islands. So what we do is helping people to get back into how their life has been before. Basically what we do is, at first is psychological first aid. Kelera Batibasanga is with a team from the local NGO Empower Pacific. The councillors are planning to go to evacuation centres today to see how people are coping after the second cyclone. Kelera Batibasanga says almost everyone has been affected mentally by Winston. Wherever we go, people are crying. People are talking about it, and as like we have said before, it will take time, very, very long time, for them to rebuild their life again. They're telling us about what they're going through, how they're going to get back into reality. This is a part of their life, their um, sweat for how many years, what they have been keeping and what they have earned, and then automatically, like just within one hour, within a few hours, everything is just gone and that is something that they really cannot cope with they cannot accept what has happened communities have lost their entire source of income and must rely on government rations like flour and rice and other aid one village which makes traditional sasa brooms from coconut leaves has no cash flow after their coconut trees were ruined like the only thing they depend on that they can take to sell is the sasa broom plus the coconuts and now when they don't have that, that's where they, their anxiety level is high most of the time. Like if they're having their dinner today, they'll be thinking about tomorrow, the day after. The government is giving them food, the food ration that's coming in, and other aids. And uh, the good thing is like the government start giving them the seeds that last for three months, that they can harvest in three months. So they start having, doing that too. Kalera Batipasanga says councillors report the trauma suffered by children is evident too. When they try to get back to school, their mind is just blanked. They cannot talk about what they have learned in the past. It's trauma. And the children like being experiencing that, roof being blown off, things being dragged from one corner to the other corner, and have to be saved from all kinds of things. That is something that the children are still talking about. They forget about school things, but they start talking about what they went through. Another counsellor with Empower Pacific, Salvin Singh, says feelings of hopelessness are rife. We could not talk to everyone in the village, but that might be one or two cases in all the village, I would say, that uh, were uh, on a very high note of hopelessness and uh, didn't know what to do. And they might think that, uh, yes, it's not worth living 
with all these situations and it would never be improved because they never saw something like this disastrous in their whole life. Yeah. So they might not say that they want to end their life, but when we do our assessment, then we find them that they are like having no hopes at all. The councillors refer people in the depths of despair to other health professionals. The psychosocial work is ongoing after Winston and involves a number of NGOs, including the Fiji Red Cross. At the headquarters in Suva, Holly Griffin is helping train councillors who are going out into affected communities. She's had experience in Christchurch after the earthquakes. One of the things that's really stood out for me has been how uh, readily accepted the message of talking, the importance of talking um, and having that kind of uh, social support. They really get it here in Fiji, they're a really social society, they have really strong communities generally uh, and some really positive coping strategies because of that. They sit together and talk and uh, support each other in ways that uh, in Christchurch uh, sometimes we needed to work on because um, you know people in Western societies can be a bit more isolated socially. The government has now lifted the official state of natural disaster of the last eight weeks and is now focused on rehabilitating Fiji. On a skypline from Suva, the Minister of Agriculture and National Disaster Management, Inia Serui Ratu, says Winston caused around $700 million worth of damage. A fifth of that is damage to agriculture, including the sugar industry. That's a huge uh, bill for, for a country with such a small economy. Uh, in all the sectors, uh, there has been a lot of damage uh, in the health sector, education, housing, uh, agriculture. Uh, same for fisheries and forests, uh, sugar, telecommunications and uh, water authority, uh, electricity, and likewise uh, government structures as well. Mr. Sarui Ratu says plans to ensure people's livelihoods are in the pipeline. We uh, are already uh, mapping uh, uh, the plans uh, to address those critical areas. And of course, we're looking at small and micro enterprises as well, how we can uh, link up uh, strongly uh, with uh, the other government agencies. At a poor settlement north of Lautoka, Mohammed Nadim sits in a tent pitched next to the remnants of his family home. Where there was once a neat, brightly painted house, there's now a jumble of tin, dirt and debris. I'm uh, really hated inside, eh? so <laughs> can't say much about it. <laughs> the young father of two is trying to move forward with his life, even though he lost practically everything in Winston. He has the skills, but not the money, to start rebuilding. Let's uh, get some uh, one tent uh, from the government and a uh, little bit food from the government. They're cooperating with us slowly, slowly. Hope so something gonna reach. I'm trying my best. I'm, I'm a carpenter, so I'm uh, just uh, looking for a small private job. The pastor, Mike Naisal, who looks after this community, says people are doing their best to rebuild. Some of them have lost their job because of this. They are unable to go back to work. Some, because a lot of people have casual jobs and uh, the companies are unable to employ them for the time being. And uh, food is a necessity. It's coming to that state now where they need food, they need help. And uh, because of 
the rainy season right now, there's a lot of need for to repair the houses. They don't have the money. For those who have the money, they don't have much. People don't actually have a good income here in Fiji. Our income rate is very low. Titi Winston rates as an extremely serious disaster uh, on a global scale because when you look at the percentage of the population of Fiji that has been affected, we are looking at nearly 50% or maybe 40% of the population. Sune Goodnitz is the regional head of the UN Office of the Commissioner for Humanitarian Affairs. He says shelter, sanitation and food supplies remain a concern and there aren't enough funds coming in. Straight after the disaster struck, Fiji appealed internationally for nearly $60 million to provide critical emergency relief. But the flash appeal has only attracted 40% funding so far. Mr. Goodnett says the global funding environment is stretched, and that's a problem for Fiji. There's a lot of need in the world. We see year after year after year increase in humanitarian needs, whether it's because of earthquakes or cyclones or war. At the same time, a lot of uh, governments are financially stretched. Several donors have responded very generously to Fiji, and they also responded very generously to uh, Vanuatu last year. But, of course, we also have to look at a disaster like this in the context of what's going on in places like Syria today, in South Sudan, in Somalia, uh, the Nepal earthquake earlier. There are a lot of crises with more people. The National Disaster Management Minister, Mr. Serui Ratu, says the government is coping but needs more aid. We are looking forward to the post-disaster needs assessment report. And of course, uh, we are already developing uh, a recovery framework. Uh, we, uh, we will look at all our options, uh, but we hope and pray uh, that uh, our friends, uh, as demonstrated by Australia, New Zealand, and all our partners as well, uh, will uh, help us as well uh, when we go into the recovery mode. Fiji's Prime Minister, Frank Bainimarama, has been out visiting cyclone victims, taking with him rations donated by a local company. The government's been encouraging local firms to donate to a Prime Ministerial Relief Fund to help with recovery. Seven weeks on from Winston, he made the first big announcement for cyclone victims. So my government's number one priority is to rebuild Fiji and to build back better, better than before and stronger than before. Public infrastructure and housing built to proper standards to withstand future cyclones and to save us the money and the misery that Winston has cost us. There'll be up to $5,000 in building materials for eligible households to rebuild and people will have to build to a more stringent code. The government's also flagged changes to the insurance industry and has come up with an adopt-a-school program. Foreign governments and companies are among those being asked to adopt individual schools and spearhead the building process. Other ideas are being floated too. A Nandi-based architect, John Gray, has teamed up with the NGO Caritas to build a simple and cheap but strong model home based on traditional Fijian living, which could be rolled out across the country. The house is to reflect a basic rural dwelling. It's probably about six meters by about four meters, three or four windows in them, two doors, external uh, kitchen, 
the external uh, toilet and bathroom. The cube would be the internal living area, based on the current functions of a rural village dwelling, whereby all the functions of the home are based on the floor. There's very little furniture inside it. That's very, very typical. The basic tools that you use would be a hammer, a saw, and basically that would be able to allow you to build your home. I know a place where happiness lives. After Cyclone Winston hit, the tourism industry was quick to spread word most of the major tourist areas suffered minimal damage. There was heavy use of social media to show pristine beaches and undamaged hotels. The tourists are still coming, but numbers are down. Any disaster like that gets the media attention, and quite rightly so it should. Demand Gounder is the chair of the Tourism Action Group, which has been reactivated in the wake of Winston. It's helped reinvigorate Fiji tourism after the coups and is again spearheading moves to contain the fallout. The tourism region, basically, in terms of the Mamanuthis, the Dendrawa Islands, the Coral Coast areas, uh, majority of these places have had very less or no damages. But the work for us is huge uh, in terms of you know getting the word out there because we are all uh, under this huge umbrella of media uh, coverage and uh, devastation. Mr. Gounder estimates visitor arrivals this year could be down by as much as 25%, representing about $100 million in losses. Uh, there were a lot of cancellations. Some airlines, you know, uh, experienced on the first day of opening after Cyclone Winston, there was 900 cancellations immediately followed by another 1,900 for the whole month of uh, February. The other reports suggested to us, uh, for example, a uh, very popular resort in the Coral Coast. We used to uh, be uh, you know, taking in bookings at the rate of 550 to 600 room nights per day. It dropped to 250 room nights. And so th these are the you know, areas of concern that we had straight out of the cycle Winston. Mr. Gounder says inquiries and bookings are on the rise now, and it seems clear the industry will be heavily relied on to rebuild the economy. Our responsibility as a, as a industry is not only trying to get back what we have lost, we have to get a bit more to cover for what the others have lost. So that is the way that we need to work, and that's the plan that we are working on. Fiji's other main industry, sugar, is relying heavily on European Union support to help pay for replanting. The chief executive officer of the Fiji Sugar Corporation, Abdul Khan, estimates a total damage bill of nearly $100 million, including damage to the mills. The mills are insured, but the growers will need help. If we get the assistance that people have talked about, especially European Union, where they've clearly come, come out publicly and said that they will help the agricultural sector and the sugarcane sector, we should see a setback for about a year. And by that, what we normally are looking at doing is starting planting in, in our normal period, which is from September to about November this year. If we can get our crop planted over that period, then come 2017, we should be back, if not better than where we had been even uh, pre-Winston. The deputy leader of the opposition, the economist Biman Prasad, says a revised predicted growth rate after the disaster of 2 to 2.5% 2 
is too optimistic. He says the relief effort has suffered from a lack of coordination and he wants to see a united front across all areas. I think it's time to rewrite the script for Fiji. Uh, it's time to relook at our way of doing things, uh, not only uh, in terms of just the economic policies, but also the politics. Democracy in this country has to become more transparent and open. It is an appropriate time to bring everybody together in Parliament and also to relook at the elements which do not allow transparency and accountability and openness and freedom in the conduct of our economic policy and, and our politics. The opposition has raised questions about transparency during the relief effort and the government's accountability for the millions of dollars donated to Fiji. But these are dismissed by the minister, Inia Seruiratu. We uh, have uh, systems in place uh, which uh, is accountable, which is transparent and of course consistent with uh, international best practices as well. We, we are, uh, again, uh, uh, happy to provide uh, uh, all the evidence in terms of uh, relief uh, aid tracking because uh, this is all uh, available. And, of course, we are working with our international partners uh, even at the entry points and the distribution points. So we'll be happy to provide uh, the evidence if needed. The disaster has also raised questions about the accountability of local authorities. A local human rights activist, Chris Prasad, says local authority elections are needed especially because there are no local MPs in Fiji under the new electoral system brought in by the Bainimarama regime. The proportional representation system is based on one national constituency. We've had no elected local government in Fiji for the past 10 years and um, you know it'd be good to have local government elections because you know for areas like Raki Raki, Baat, uh, Lotoka, if they have their own elected representatives representing their voices in local government then uh, these leaders can be hold accountable to the everyday things happening in their communities such as flooding, drainage, um, sanitation etc. There is like appointed officials but uh, they are not really accountable to the towns or cities, everything is administered from Suva, the Ministry of uh, Local Government. And Chris Prasad says Fiji's real recovery will depend on more than just aid. You know, if you're talking about democracy, the new genuine true democracy in Fiji, you know, we have to break that down to what that means to people on the ground and whether they actually genuinely have a voice in what happens in, what happens in their communities, in their towns, in their cities and not just in Fiji. The UN's Sune Gudnitz says people shouldn't kid themselves the rebuild will happen quickly. But he says such events, while tragic, do present a moment to improve the situation. There won't be any less cyclones, there won't be less impacts of climate change, so we might as well, whenever we have these opportunities, use them as exactly that, an opportunity to do things better than the way they were. Recovery is a long process. Uh, government will set its timelines uh, based on the resources, based on the needs. Back on the outskirts of Lautoka, Mohammed Nadim, the young father of two, who has nothing left after Winston, is hoping he can build a more secure home for his family. I've got a plan. Every afternoon, me and my wife, we sit and we talk. We have to move on. It's, uh, it's uh, just a hurricane-proof uh, house. I want to build a kind of house which uh, like both sides is uh, safe from the water, from the wind. I'm Sally Round and that's Insight for this week. 
If you have any thoughts or want to get in touch, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or send a tweet. Our Twitter handle is at insightrnz. I wrote and presented that program. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by Mark Chesterman.